Okay, good morning, everyone. Uh, let's get started. Uh, again, good morning. To, uh, today is uh, March, uh, sorry, May the 22nd, 2022. Today's topic is, uh, uh, today's topic is the white privilege in the great replacement theory. And, uh, yeah, today's, this, today's episode could be long, but I'm going to cut it short because uh, I want to keep it, uh, around, uh, you know, 45 or 50 minutes, stuff like that. And, uh, I mentioned I want to talk about, uh, Amy Wax, this, uh, uh, University of Pennsylvania law professor, because, uh, I consider her, you know, a high, uh, intellectual, uh, who is also a white person. Uh, but I'm going to, I may, I may have to cut it out, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to talk about her in the future episode. So first, I want to go over some of the questions I got from the previous episodes. And uh, I want to you know, apologize first is that uh, I'm not particularly good with this uh, calling app yet. Uh, I, uh, you know, and uh, so I want to, uh, you know, I have not been following the questions people posted in the chat, so, but I do catch two questions and uh, I, I do think they, are, uh, they should be answered. Uh, in the first episode, I talk about the uh, black rage shooting and uh, there's a one audience have asked, what about white rage shootings? And uh, I kind of want to, you know, I kind of want to uh, 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 address that. There, there are, of course, uh, white rage shootings. Simply put, a lot of shootings uh, are, are because of some rage, some kind of a rage, right? And uh, the most recent uh, Buffalo mass shooting is a white rage shooting. So, yes, there is white rage shootings as well. I'm going to talk a lot more about the shootings uh, 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 later on today. The second question I got is that, is there a black privilege? Okay, as a matter of fact, today I just saw uh, this guy, uh, someone post a question saying, uh, uh, post a comment saying, there's no such thing as a white privilege. Well, I, I'm going to say, let me address this one. Is there a black privilege? You know, because someone said, well, under the affirmative action, you know, black applicants um, uh, uh, is it's easier for a black applicants to get into a prestigious college and all that. So is there a black privilege? I would say yes. However, uh, there's a major distinction between what I'm talking about, the white privilege, and the, the so-called other people talk about white privilege. I uh, Back in 2016, I reached out to this professor. Her name is... Uh, Peggy McIntosh. She teaches at one of these uh, uh, colleges in uh, Wesley, uh, uh, Wesley College in Massachusetts. She actually is the first person, among the first person who started this uh, concept called the white privilege. Okay, you can Google her, Peggy McIntosh. And uh, the, her theory of white privilege is mostly on the behavioral uh, uh, fact. Uh, it's uh, more about the social issues, so, such as a, a white person 
is you know is uh, is much easier to call a cab in New York City as compared to a black person. Okay, for another another example, maybe uh, your white girlfriend uh, dumped you because she does not like black person. Is that white privilege? Probably is, but that's not the white privilege I'm talking about. The white privilege I'm talking about is a governmental structure. It's a legal concept. It's a structure. It's a, a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a legal thing that uh, in which uh, the, the 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 majority of a society can make laws, enforce laws, and administer laws at the expense of minorities. Okay, that's as simple as that. And uh, so it's more of a governmental concept, not a social behavioral concept. So I hope you, you understand that. So if, is there, uh, if a college uh, have a affirmative action uh, to give a, a black person uh, some, uh, you know, leeways to get accepted, would that be considered black privilege? I would say yes. But however, a college is a, a private entity, you know, and uh, it's not, uh, you know, it, it, it's not the it's a gov- it's not governmental. And uh, my issue, the issue I'm talking about, is that is there laws made at the expense of racial minorities? I bet there is. There are plenty of them, right? And also, uh, is there laws being enforced at the uh, you know, at the expense of racial minorities? You know, such as the drug laws. Right, and I think there is, and is there uh, cases where a racial minority is a party, and that was uh, you know, but the court sided with the white majority against the racial minority. There are plenty of them, so it's very, very of much of a government concept, not a social behavioral concept. Okay, so, so I, I just want to answer that two questions. The uh, the sad part is this: uh, the laws in this country, in various forms, have become the weapons for politicians to go after each other. It does not matter whether you are a Democrat or Republican. You can see these days, laws are being used as a weapon, and uh, and uh, the court is the venue where the laws are being used as a political weapon. For the politicians, for the political parties to go after, uh, uh, to go after each other, and, and so the court has become a tool for politicians. All right. So uh, you know the, the most recent uh, uh, person, a famous person, uh, who who had that finding is uh, Professor Lawrence Tribe, T R I B E. Lawrence Tribe is a Harvard Law professor uh, who has recently concluded. The U.S. Supreme Court has largely been a political, you know, uh, you know, as compared to a lot of beliefs in the past that the courts are, should be apolitical. The courts should always be looking out for the rights and privilege of the of the politically weak group, but that's not the case. Okay, so so with that, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, today's topic the white privilege in the great replacement theory. 
Okay, and uh, this uh, great replacement theory uh, came up because of the Buffalo shootings. Uh, here, I'm not going to. Here, I'm not going to. Uh, you know, uh, point fingers. Uh, I'm not going to link directly this uh, Buffalo shooting with this uh, great replacement theory because, uh, as you know, first of all, I have said this is a white rate shooting. Uh, in part, probably is in response to some of the uh, black rate shooting that happened uh, recently. And the second that, uh, you know, this shooter apparently is a mental health person also. And, uh, and, uh, so, so because of those things, I'm not going to talk, uh, link this with the Buffalo shooting per se, but I am going to talk about this great replacement theory itself. Okay. So today's, uh, topic is going to be separated by, uh, five segments, I believe. The first segment is introduction. I'm going to talk about the, the rule of law, which is a concept probably everybody knows. And the second segment, I'm going to talk about ethnic nationalism. Ethnic nationalism. I'm not talking about just white nationalism. Ethnic nationalism. Okay. And uh, the se third segment, I'm going to talk about colonialism. I call the colonialism the original great replacement. In other words, in this third second, I'm going to talk about all these migration of Europeans into Africa, into America, is the initial great replacement. Okay? And the fourth segment I'm going to talk about is called the reverse replacement, which is greater now meaning there is a replacement happened after the original great replacement. Okay? And uh, the fourth uh, segment, I'm going to conclude, uh, you know, today's topic. Okay? So I'm going to start with uh, the introduction. The rule of law, meaning the restriction of the arbitrary exercise of power by subordinating it to a well-defined and established laws. The rule of law, meaning whatever political party you are with, whatever racial preference you have, whatever power you want to exercise, everything you do has to be you know, subject to judicial review and the well-defined and the established laws. Right. And we have uh, heard a, a lot of people, uh, uh, the, our leaders to these days talk about a rule based world order on the global affairs. Right. What's rule based world order? You know, you know, theoretically, it means that we, the, all the countries will behave according to the rule of international law. Domestically in America, you know, we are going to, you know, Every individual, every entities within the United States have to follow the rule of law. Okay, the the the, the, the judicial the, the white privilege in a nutshell is basically is the discretion or the you know some unfounded authority to change the rule of law in the middle of the entire action. An uh, example will be uh, a very good example. Uh, probably, you know, uh, you know, everybody can relate to is this a famous uh, skater. Her name is uh, Tanya Harding. 
Tanya Harding, H-A-R-D-I-N-G. Tanya Harding is a figure skater, and uh, she has a strong competitor uh, uh, whose name is uh, Nancy Kerrigan. And uh, you know, he had uh, she had a you know huge drama in the, uh, in that year. Uh, basically, she uh, she and her Tanya Harding and uh, her boyfriend somehow come up with the idea to to smack uh, Nancy Kerrigan's knee before the competition. But one of the funniest episodes is this. During a live skating in the actual competition of figure skating, Tanya Harding found out that her, uh, her, her skate lace uh, became loose. So she stopped in the middle of the game and asked the judges to allow her to start the whole skating. That itself is to ask the change of the rule of the game in the middle of the game. I, I call that the white privilege. Okay, so historically, the whites, the Europeans, being militarily stronger than any other racial minorities, and the, you know also claiming to be morally superior to racial minorities, that the Europeans and the whites will change the rules in the middle of an ongoing societal change, or demographic change or a political change. So I want you to understand that. It's called change the rule of a game, change the rule of law in the middle of it. Okay? So so, so in, in, in American jurisprudence, and for the judicial white privileges, the, the trick of the trade is to change the law on the bench or amidst a trial. No, that action actually there's a name for this kind of activity uh, action. It's called a judicial activism, meaning for a judge who does not like the law, they're going to change the law while they're on the bench. Okay, so to me, in my opinion, the judicial white privilege, meaning changing the law on the bench in the midst of a trial, is the most insidious form of a racial oppression. Okay. And uh, the reason I'm doing this show is that the, uh, the, the judicial white privileges has always want to brainwash the people, the general public. You know, there's a full myth that, in my opinion, that uh, uh, you, you can call it fake news about American justice system. The first myth is that America has something called a lady justice, you know, like a Santa Claus. Everybody have to believe in Santa Claus, right? And this lady just, uh, justice is a blindfolded. You know, you will see her statue all over the places, in the courtroom and anywhere else. That's just not true. There's no such thing as lady justice, blindfolded. Okay, most judges are white males. They they're not blind. Trust me, they know what's going on inside the courtroom, and most importantly, outside the courtroom. And the second myth is that the courts are colorblind and the, the, the courts are never influenced by the racial politics. Now, that is not true. You know, the courts are, you know, you know, I, you know I'm going to have so many cases that in the Supreme Court, as a, as a matter of fact, that shows that the courts are always influenced by the politics, racial politics, or even gender politics, you know. 
Think about the reversal of Roe v. Wade. It's, it's a just most recent example. The Supreme Court is, can be influenced by the politics. The third myth is that the racism, including the judicial racism, is an accident, not a systemic bias. And, uh, you know, if you have seen all those landmark cases that are handed down at the expense of racial minority, you will have to wonder, are these all because of accident? Or is this really a pattern of behavior by the judicial branch, judiciary branch, judicial branch of the government? Okay. And the, the fourth myth is this. The fourth myth is this thing called the American exceptionalism. The American exceptionalism itself means that we are a very successful multiracial democracy. Okay, we are not just a white majority government. You know, we achieved some kind of a racial, uh, you know, adjust uh, society because of a three branch of government and yada, yada, yada. But in fact, we are not. You look at the, you know, what's going on these days in America, you will not consider America a successful democracy. Fortunately, there are successful multiracial societies, which I'm going to talk about later. Okay. So, so the reason I want to do this show is because I don't want, I want people not to be brainwashed by these uh, elitists thinking they know better. They don't. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, so basically, in my opinion, the judges, in, uh, you know, since the beginning, the judges, instead of claiming to be blindfolded jurists that are having, you know, that are not influenced by racial politics and any other forms of politics, that's just not true. And they, they, you know, judges has been influenced by, by those factors. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, if you, uh, you know, you, you look at all these uh, killings, which I'm going to explain later that happened recently. There's a lot of killings in America these days. It's, it's just, it's an indication that our courts cannot maintain justice. And that's why there are violence all over the places. Okay, so that's that. So why there's so much violence is? I'm going to go back to the Second Amendment. Now, I know a lot of people on the left hate the Second Amendment. They want to limit the guns and all that. You know, the Buffalo shooting, once again, just another great opportunity for the people from the left saying, let's limit the guns. Let's take away the Second Amendment. Now, I happen to disagree. I think the framers, our founding fathers, knew then that the courts as a one branch of the government may not work after all. The courts may not be able to maintain justice. All right. You know, uh, you know, you look at the violence, you know, let uh, just, you know, set aside this uh, Buffalo shooting. You know, let's talk about different gun violence. First of all, the gun violence is because lots of them among the same ethnic groups. There's a lot of black on black gun violences. You know, you look at a lot of the African-American communities, you know, for example, Chicago, 
It's literally a war zone. Black people hitting black people using guns, right? You know, there's Asians using guns, killing Asians. There's plenty of white people killing white people using guns, right? So, you know, we know that. And, uh, and also, there's an interracial gun violences. Buffaloes being one of them, right? Buffalo shootings being one of them. There's a lot of other racial, interracial gun violences. And, uh, and the worst form, uh, or the, you know, uh, the, the, the black, on black crimes, violent crimes, yeah, I call the intra-racial gun violences, right? The, the, the worst form of violences, I call the intra-familial gun violences, meaning a parent of a, a, a parent kill his or her own children using guns. You know, think about that. When a, I'll store this as an example. When a father decided to use a gun and kill his own children, what happened? I mean, you know, we have a court called the family court. What cannot be resolved in the family court that will end up in the intrafamilial gun violence, murder, and uh, the suicide. There's lots of them there. You may not know. Because every time there's gun violence, the left will go to the Second Amendment saying that's the fault of the guns. Well, I think it's the fault of the courts. I actually believe those white privileges on the bench have their blood on their hands. Okay? I'm not going to go too much detail on that. If you have time, you know, especially about this intrafamilial gun violence, uh, you can Google a book. Uh, uh, I believe it's recently published. The name of the book is called The Judicial War on Man. Again, Judicial War on Man. I believe it's available uh, on Amazon.com. You can look it up. And uh, so, so I want to, you know, uh, so this is, this is the the uh, uh, the thing I'm 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 trying to get to. There are a lot of theories proposed by the white supremacists, and uh, they all, on the surface, looks very smart, bright, reasonable, but in fact, the opposite is true. Okay, I'm throwing an example. When Donald Trump claims the Mexicans coming into the United States of America, they are rapists, they are murderers, right? It's a very famous uh, campaign announcement that Donald Trump made. I was, this is back in 2015 or uh, 2016. I was shocked. Nobody within the Republicans or Democrats who are willing to come out and say, look, if you want to call these immigrants murderers and rapists, that, if that's true, then it's also applicable to Christopher Columbus. Right? And, uh, you know, maybe some people from the Mayflower ship. Right? It's the Europeans who, who came to America. And among them, there's a lot of murderers and rapists, mass murderers. So this one says that there are all these fancy theories, replacement theory, the great replacement theory, and other theories by these white supremacists. They look, you know, smart, bright, but actually the opposite is true. They're pretty, you know, it's pretty dumb. It's, it's the same thing with this great replacement theory. So this is the uh, introduction.
The, the second segment we're going to talk about is called ethnic nationalism. Ethnic nationalism in a plain uh, word just means that uh, uh, society, they want to be governed by the same race. You know, uh, being uh, a French people, you know, governs the French. German people govern the German. Vietnamese people should be the governor of the of Vietnam. You know, on the surface, you know, the ethnic nationalism, there's not, it's not nothing too wrong about it. Okay. In America, there is a movement called a black nationalism. Okay. And, uh, and so in itself, it's not necessarily a, 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 a evil concept. And uh, the reason I want to bring this up is that this is a great replacement theory is actually based off ethnic nationalism. The, uh, the, the great replacement theory uh, came out of uh, France by this guy, Renaud Camus, C-A-M-U-S. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, <coughs> the, 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 proponent, uh, the proponents of this great replacement theory believes that that, that, that you know, the uh, immigrants, especially if they are non-Christian, especially the, when they are non-white, uh, is a, is a fa- uh, is a fast uh, is quickly changing the demographics of France. So therefore, you know they don't like it. Okay, they want to change that because they want Fran- France to be remain French. So that's their theory. This is back to the ethnic nationalism, right? And uh, so now I want to talk about the the history of this ethnic nationalism it's a pretty big big deal in the in europe uh, and uh, because uh, you think of all the all the, uh, the first world war and the second world war these are all ethnic wars meaning french people does not like german or british does not like french and uh, all these uh, the, the, the two uh, world wars are all ethnic wars based on some form of an ethnic nationalism, right? Adolf Hitler is a big believer in ethnic nationalism, right? He, you know, Adolf Hitler wants to have a more living space for, for his race, for his German race. That's why he's invading the entire world, he, you know, and all that, right? So, so it, it's a, it's a, so, so, these are, you know, the ethnic nationality, uh, uh, ethnic nationalism has its deep roots in, in Europe because, uh, those two wars, including, you know, including the Ukraine wars today is a part of the, uh, uh, movement of ethnic nationalism because Ukraine wants to be separated from Russia. Uh, Ukrainians don't consider them to be part of the Russian race. On the other side, the Russians believe that Ukrainians are part of the Russian culture, Russian ethnic group. And, uh, and uh, so, and of course, the West is uh, trying to distinguish the fact that Ukrainians are white people and Russians are not white people. 
So these are all ethnic nationalistic arguments there. So remember this, all these ethnic nationalism is rooted in Europe, okay, to start with that. So it's not a surprise this French guy, Renaud Camus, come up with this uh, theory called the Great Replacement Theory in 2011. And, you know, uh, uh, the the politicians in in France use this theory, uh, you know, uh, in their presidential elections and all that. And uh, to a lot of white supremacists, the ethnic nationalism is the only acceptable form of government. Uh, you know, and uh, and to a white supremacist and to the West, a multiracial society is not going to work. You know, that that's the belief of those uh, white nationalists. They actually don't believe a multiracial society like America. It's going to work, okay? And uh, you know what I find out troubling is this: European nationalism, uh, uh, basically, the European countries has a problem, has a history of problem to get get along with with each other in Europe itself. The proof is that you know the first world war, the second world war, both started in Europe. Right now, the you know this Ukraine war also is going on in Europe. So basically, in European countries, their ethnic nationalism was so strong for each countries they can get not they cannot get along with themselves. Right, and uh, and 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 so that itself is very troubling. So now, uh, so this is the second segment. Now I'm going to talk about the seg- uh, third segment. The colonialism, the original great replacement. So think about European countries. They are at a war with each other for all this time. But they have a great idea. The original replacement theory. Now, I, in my uh, previous episode, I have uh, strongly encouraged uh, the listeners to look into, uh, to Google this uh, map. The main name of this map is this. It's called the political and the moral chart of an inhabited world. So let me repeat. The name of the, this map is called the political and the moral chart of the inhabited world. Uh, the Library of Congress has a nice copy of this chart. This uh, map is uh, dated about in about 1827-28. It's a school teaching material. It's taught at a school in America. And I call this uh, map the original critical race theory, CRT. Let me repeat. These days you hear Republicans uh, complaining about uh, uh, CRT being taught in our schools. Now, I'm not going to get into the argument with that, but I do want to point out that this chart called the political and moral chart of the world, uh, it may be, it may be called the moral and the political chart. I forgot which, uh, which order. So if you Google that, it is the original critical race theory. In that chart, Europeans are considered civilized countries and the government. 
And in that map, against the world map, the Africans are savages, and the Europeans, you know, is coming into Africa to civilize the African continent. All right, that's the replacement. That's a movement of a large population from Europe to Africa. Same thing can be said about America, right? So that's the original replacement theory, meaning a large number of Europeans coming out of Europe are coming into America and replace the native populations. That is the original replacement theory. Now, being Chinese myself, I can tell from this map, at that time, 1826, China is not fully invaded by the European powers yet, but it is about to through a war called the Opium War, two Opium Wars. So, but China back then was considered half civilized countries. Okay. Also, you know, these kind of places need civilized countries like Europe, white Christians who be migrated into China to be more civilized. So that is the original replacement theory. It's actually being practiced. It's deliberately practiced. There's a law made for the colonialism, the original replacement theory. There's a law enforced for this original replacement theory, right? There, There are courts established in the colonies to enforce this replacement theory, right? So this chart basically say Europeans, the whites, are morally and politically superior than the rest of the races, period, right? So that this is the, I call it original replacement theory. So I'm going to give you some, you know, so basically, this, you know, uh, I have to link this back to the uh, nas- uh, 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 ethnic nationalism. You, you think why Europeans want to mix up, racially speaking, when they strongly believe ethnic nationalism? I think there is a condition, and the one condition, these Europeans, they will agree of this. Uh, original great replacement theory. That condition is this. According to this map, again, is that whites must be the master ethnicity and any other ethnicities and races are inferior groups. Under these circumstances, we, you know, the whites can colonize the Africa, the Asia, and the America. Okay? And now I'm going to give you some specific example now. There's a great, you know, under these conditions, as long as the Europeans and the whites can be the master race, uh, you know, when when they conquer the new land, uh, first of all, there's a great need of manpower to fight the colonial wars, right? You need the manpower to join the army to fight the war, right? And there is a need to, there's a replacement of a colonialist with a colonized people. You know, a, a Greatest example will be the the foreign legion, uh, the French foreign legion. France again. This France is the the, the, the uh, is where this uh, we the great replacement theory 
uh, uh, came out of. The French foreign region is made of uh, mostly foreign nationals. And the uh, emperor, the king of, a, of the French, uh, you know, created this uh, French foreign legion to allow the incorporation of foreign nationals, basically the, the, the colored people from Africa, from Asia, and from many other places, into the French army to fight foreign wars. Right. So that, that's a big, it's a replacement theory being used. You know, that the, this French uh, foreign region was primarily used to help protect and expand the French col colonial empire during the 19th century. Right. So in, a, in America, you know, being a British colony, we also have a great need of manpower to develop the economy. Right. The replacement of uh, Europeans to do the hard labor on the cotton fields. What do we do? The white people choose to use uh, people from the colonized territory, the Africa countries, the African countries. So, right? You know, who will do the hard labor in the cotton field to pick cottons and in the sugar plantations? Right? These are all the original great replacement theory, meaning that the Europeans is replacing is, uh, themselves with the foreigners, colored people, Christian or not, to do the labors, to do the hard labor of fighting a war or growing cottons and sugar canes. Along the way, as you know, when people live together, racial mixing gets started. Mixed race cohabitation started, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, to, to grow more cottons, you need more slaves. You need to breed slaves. That's what happened, right? Nobody's fear about the great replacement, but that's what happened. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and that is, uh, uh using, uh, Haiti as example, uh, the, the 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 Europeans, the slave masters in the island of Haiti, is getting smaller and smaller. So the slaves become so overwhelming that they it, it, uh, eventually a slave revolt overturn the slavery and they become the you know first free state, right? So that and uh, by the way, the the slave revolt in Haiti is greatly feared by the slave masters in America when it happens. Because I think that is when the Europeans, the whites in America, start to really fear that the the growing number of of of, of uh, uh, racial minorities, and uh, and uh, so that in a nutshell is uh, the third segment: colonialism, the original Great Replacement. Okay. So now I'm going to go. To the uh, what is it called the uh, the fourth segment, I call it the reverse replacement theory. Maybe I should call it the the great reverse replacement theory. You know, as far as America is concerned, we had a uh, civil rights, and uh, we do have a constitution. By plain reading of the constitution. All men, you know, you know, uh, all men are created equal. 
We don't have a class here. We don't have a caste system in America. So eventually, uh, you know, the, the uh, you know the civil rights and the, it is a re reversible replacement of a rights and privileges under the Constitution for all Americans. You know, is is happening, right? I don't want to go to the detail of that. The matter of fact is that since the uh, uh, after the Civil War, uh, uh, the whites start to fear the the growth of a minority populations, right? And uh, I personally have a, a you know in is in a regular contact with the two white folks who you know you probably will consider them you know uh, white supremacist, uh, you know uh, both of them. Uh, you know, have told me that white people should have picked cottons themselves in the in the 1800s. Basically, what they're saying, they regret as a white person that uh, the America had to brought in so many slaves to pick cottons. Okay, and uh, and uh, and so so there is a trend, as we can see now in America, there's a growth. Of minorities, racial minorities, non-Christians, right? So, so at, also at the same time, in Europe, again, I'm going to use France as an example. First of all, France is probably the biggest colonial power in the history of the humankind, right? So, France itself is facing a influx. Of its uh, 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 of a people from its uh, uh, overseas territories, you know, France has uh, colonies in Asia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, right? Uh, France has uh, colonies in Africa. Uh, I think probably I'm pretty sure they have a uh, uh, France has a uh, colonies in uh, Caribbeans, and uh, you know because uh, under uh, under these uh, colonial policies. These people have the rights to travel back to France. You know, uh, consider all these uh, racial mixing, cohabitation. Uh, it's inevitable. It's irreversible. There will be more racial minorities in France. Right? So, so now this so-called reverse replacement is happening. Meaning in the past, during the colonial time, it's the Europeans replacing the population in Africa, in America, in Asia. Now the reverse replacement is meaning those col co former colonies, those people, for good reason, bad reason, or ugly reason, is uh, migrating back to these uh, colonial powers in France, in England, in all those other countries. So it's a, it is truly is a great reverse replacement. So therefore. You know, you uh, you know people like this uh, Renaud Camus will come up this idea of a replacement theory. But the problem is this: that is not the original replacement theory. This is some you know basically the 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 the, the so-called uh, influx of immigrants of a uh, especially non-white non-Christian immigrants into these uh, formerly colonial powers. Is it happened because of what the Europeans did 
during the colonial time. Okay, so 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 once again, you know, like I said, the original Great Replacement in America started with the Mayflowers, started with uh, this Yorktown, started with uh, importing uh, you know Africans as laborers from Africa. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, as far as America is concerned. Uh, many foreign wars that America uh, uh, have carried out produced a lot of war refugees, right? You have, a, you know, uh, you have a, these days you have refugees from Vietnam. You have refugees uh, uh, during the Second World War. There's refugees, Jewish refugees from Europe, from Italy. Uh, you know, there's refugees from Ireland, from Italy, from Africa. These are all reverse re replacement and uh, and uh, of course the white supremacist does not like it there's no doubt about that right he uh, the uh, this uh, right uh, this uh, great replacement theory is just an indication of that the funny part is this okay this is another fact the courts in the united states I call them judicial white privilege. They did their job on the issue of the reverse replacement. We all know about a law called the Chinese Exclusion Act. This is where the U.S. government deliberately prevent Chinese immigrating into America. Right? There is, I learned this, it's a, another famous case is uh, uh, in regard to an Indian person, uh, uh, Indian from, uh, I'm talking about the, uh, India in Asia. Uh, this guy's name is uh, Bhagat Singh Thind. His last name, T-H-I-N-D. I believe the U.S. Supreme Court uh, twice denied his uh, citizenship of the United States based on the fact that the, this Asian Indian, he cannot be considered a white person. And, uh, and uh, in most uh, recent Supreme Court uh, decision, uh, it's called U.S. versus Medora. The, 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 the one of the Supreme Court justice, Justice Gorsuch, bring up uh, this uh, a set of famous cases in regard to the Hispanic Americans. It's called the insular cases. The insular cases, which has happened in 1903, uh, somewhere along that line, is literally believed that the Puerto Ricans and the U.S. territories, racial minorities in the U.S. territory are not considered full citizens of the United States. Okay, so that, that concludes this segment basically about the reverse replacement, meaning that the so-called influx of immigrants into these uh, formerly colonial powers are considered a great replacement is a joke because uh, it is completely caused by the colonial policies in the past. Okay. So with that, I'm going to conclude. This so-called great replace, replacement theory is just another white man's wish to change the rule of the game in the middle of the game. 
The game I'm talking about here is called the demographics movement. People, population, they do have some mobility. They move around within a country or between countries, right? And uh, in truth, you know, what happened during the colonial time is a, I would say, a natural, at least, you know, as evil as it can be, it's a natural demographics movement. Meaning Europeans moving out of Europe and come to Africa, come to America, come to Asia. Okay, that's the original replacement. It's very natural. Same thing can be said for the immigration today. For any South Americans who try to migrate into America, there's a natural reason behind it. It's just another demographics movement. For the white supremacists to come up with this theory called the, the Great Replacement Theory, is just another proof is that this is a white privilege thing, meaning I being white has the moral superiority and the intellectual superiority to change the rule of the game in the middle of the game. So that is basically the iron, you know, the irony. I mean, that's basically the trick of the trade for these uh, white privileges, especially judicial white privileges. They will change the rule of law in the middle of the proceeding. Okay, so, so uh, you know, basically, the irony is that in European countries such as France, such as the uh, UK. The bottom line is that the so-called savages in the original map of the moral and the political chart of the world dated in 1828, these savages in Africa, in Asia, in America, they are now coming home to the colonizing countries, to the colonizers. I know, you know, the European country may not be happy about it, but the fact is, these people are used to consider used to be considered savages, and it's the Europeans who invaded their country in the original Great Replacement. Now they are coming back to your hometown. In America, it's a little bit different. America is born a multiracial society, so. For people who want to borrow this French idea of a great replacement in America is totally inappropriate. Because uh, all of us, almost all of us are immigrants. And for there's no one in America can say, I don't like the influx of these Im immigrants because they are non-Christian, they are, they are non-white. Because we are all immigrants. So anyone trying to use this uh, great replacement theory here in America is totally inappropriate. Because in European, at least those white Europeans can make us make, you know, can think in a way that, well, Europe is our ancestral land. Therefore, we prefer that our ancestral land belongs to ourselves, not to another race. That's true. But they, the European countries still have to deal with the fact that they are the ones who colonize other countries to start with, right? 
In America, different story. Because we are born to be a multiracial society. Okay. Another irony is this. One of these big proponent of this great white, uh, great replacement theory is Eric Zemmour, a French politician who ran for president. Eric Zemmour, Z-E-M-M-O-R-U-R-S, I believe. He actually is a Jew, immigrated from, to France, from Africa. So I'm not sure why this Jewish person would promote this white supremacist idea. I don't get it. You know, it's similar to say, you know, uh, people ask, can you blame uh, Zelensky, who is a Jewish person, be, uh, in supporting Nazi? I'm going to say I do not know for sure. European is very complicated. Europeans are very complicated. Their story is very complicated. Right. So, so, so lastly, I want to talk about, you know, lastly, I want to talk about this, uh, uh, a topic that's called a, uh, going back to this uh, national, uh, ethnic nationalism, meaning that, uh, the, the, the people of this, uh, a ancestral land or ancestral territory belongs to the people who used to be there. I'm not necessarily arguing with that. I, I know a lot of, uh, 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 independence revolutions done in Africa, in Asia is based on the principle of this ethnic nationalism. Okay. So basically, Vietnamese believe Vietnam belongs, uh, Vietnamese, uh, I mean, Vietnam belongs to Vietnamese. Many African countries believe that, you know, their country belongs to themselves, not some colonizers from Europe. You know, I don't want to, you know, say there's too much thing wrong about that. Okay. But I do want to talk a little bit more about ethnic nationalism because once again, this uh, so-called great replacement theory, you know, at least is a branch of this ethnic nationalism. What I want to ask is this. Because one of the angle is that of these uh, French theories that all these immigrants, they are non-Christian. So my question will be, are Christians a white religion or not? In other words, if a white Christian promotes, promoting this ethnic nationalism, such as these two French guys is doing, what is that? Do they truly believe Christianity, Catholic teaching, promotes white ethnic nationalism? That will be a question I want to ask everyone, because this, this is a question I'm going to research more on that. Because from what I see today is this. I don't see a, a black pope in the Vatican. Right? Uh, 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 I, I consider all these ethnic wars in Europe literally, you know, is considered the, the first world war, second world war, now the Ukraine war. They are all ethnic conflict, right? And they, they all fought among Christian populations. That's most important. They are all fought among the Christian populations. Ukraine is a Christian country. Russia is a Christian country, period. So the, my question will be, 
are these great replacement theory applicable on the religious perspective? Because uh, to me, it will be extremely scary if God, Jesus Christ, is a white person. Therefore, all Christian countries must be all white. That will be the biggest worry I'm going to have. Because when the war is conducted with the religious zealous, you know, where, you know, the war is going to end. Right? So with that, uh, I would conclude today's topic, meaning basically what I'm trying to say is that this is white privilege, meaning for the white majority to change the rule of a law in the middle of the proceeding is the trick of the trade. And the proponents of a great replacement theory, in my opinion, are all white privileges. With that, I want to thank you all for listening and have a great day. Bye now.